Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. Well, it's good to be back with y'all. It's been uh, probably two, well, three years or so since I've had the opportunity um, to preach here. Kyle's been doing a great job, Dr. Bierman, and uh, we uh, are just grateful for your church. I want to bring you greetings from Dr. Bonds and your convention staff in, in Albuquerque. And uh, it's probably about 25 years ago I preached my first sermon right here, and Lord willing, this will be better than that one uh, than 25 years ago. Um, but I am, uh, th- this is home, this is uh, a place that I uh, grew Made a lot of mistakes, made a lot of people frustrated, and so the, the Lord's been very gracious um, to me. But we are very thankful for First Baptist Salomagordo and the history and tradition uh, of, of your church. We're going to be in Acts uh, chapter uh, 13 here in just a little bit, 11, and then, and then 13, so we want to get your Bibles out and, and turn there. Um, I remember about 10 years ago, I was on the side of the road, and I had two college students with me. And uh, another uh, person or two that were on a particular mission trip, and I was digging through my backpack looking for a lighter because the missionary that uh, uh, was with us that was there in Argentina, way up in the mountains outside Salta, Argentina, uh, the, the truck that we had been driving in got a flat tire. And so he and one of the uh, nationals there had to drive two hours back down into a town to get the tire repaired so that they could come back and get us back down off the mountain. We had spent eight hours, maybe ten, that day hiking about three or four miles from this little village in Argentina up to the top of a mountain where a goat herder lived to build him a house. Now, I mean, who gets to say that? And so there I was. uh, We had the opportunity to do that, and we are tired, and we are hungry, and I had some crackers in my backpack, and and then I had a lighter, and we were building a fire just to stay warm on the side of the road uh, there in Argentina while uh, we waited for Joe and uh, the national guy to get back so that we could get in the vehicle and get back down um, off off the road. But I'll never forget is I hiked down that mountain from Pedro's house and was coming to to get what I thought was going to be into the car to to leave, I just wept and had tears in my eyes because I had knelt down in front of him and I said, "Um, Pedro, you need to understand why we came all the way from America to see you. We came here, yes, to build you a house, but you know what? Jesus is building houses for those who know him. And in John 14, it says that someday we're going to have the opportunity to live with him. Wouldn't you like to live with him someday, Pedro? And I'm speaking through a translator. And that particular day, Pedro did not come to know the Lord. But we had hiked in and hiked out with the expressed intent of sharing Jesus with him and doing that in a way that that was practical. I have no idea if I'll get to see Pedro someday in heaven. But you know what? That was the motivation for us getting on a plane and going down there. But there was a time when I was on the side of the road looking for a lighter thinking, what have I done Here I am with these two college students, and in many ways, I'm responsible for them, and their parents would just wonder, what in the world has this wacky pastor done to get these kids into this situation? You see, they actually, these two college students were there for the entire summer in Salta, Argentina. 
and they faced a lot of really interesting things. But they raised their own money. Our church helped them to raise the money. And then I went with another college student just to go down there and just encourage them and love on them and see the work that they were doing. And God used them that summer to encourage one of the churches down there and actually help another church get birthed. And so the reason we do that is because the Lord Jesus told us that we're supposed to go and make disciples of all the nations. And then Paul, as we're going to see here in just a little bit, lived that out in the book of Acts as he and Barnabas were sent out from the church at Antioch, and they did exactly what Jesus had called believers to do. And so I want us to look at that today. What does it mean to be a mobilizing church? Because this church has been a mobilizing church and um, your history now of well uh, over 100 years and has sent many people out. We're going to talk a little bit about that um, today. But the church uh, is, is, exists to send people out and proclaim the kingdom of God. So the first uh, uh, nine or ten chapters of Acts, you know the church gets started and the Holy Spirit comes on the believers and then they begin to have some issues in terms of trying to uh, organize the work and figure out exactly what they're supposed to be doing. But I love the phrase in there, and many people were saved that day or many came to know the Lord. That happens in chapter three and four and then even in, in five after the Lord strikes two people dead, which is a great, great uh, church growth strategy. And then we come along, and in chapter 8, the Lord is persecuting, beginning to persecute the believers there in Jerusalem. And I think it's because they had kind of got stuck in their church, and the Lord had told them that they're supposed to go. And so God said, okay, no problem. If you won't go, I will send you out, and we'll get you uh, on the road to going out and sharing the gospel in the world. And so we come to chapter 11 with that kind of as a background. And in chapter 11... I just want to read uh, for you, beginning in verse 19, uh, kind of what begins to happen here at the church at Antioch. It says this, Now those who have been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because Stephen made, uh, because of Stephen, made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of the men from Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about Jesus. And so that's the very first point this morning, is the mobilizing church proclaims the gospel. The mobilizing church proclaims the good news about Jesus. And so look what happens in verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And news about them reached the church in Jerusalem. So they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged all of them, uh, or encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. And so the church of Jerusalem gets wind that there's something happening in Antioch, and they had been the megachurch on the block, and it's kind of like, wait, hold on just a second. Surely something can't be happening in Antioch. And so they send Barnabas up to kind of look and see, all right, is this really what's going on? And so he comes up to kind of see, and he's like, yeah, absolutely. The grace of God has come here. There's people's lives that are being changed, and so he is going to report back to that. But look what he have, does next. In verse 25, he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and ta taught large numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians there at Antioch. And so the mobilizing church proclaims the gospel. The mobilizing church says, we have a message that the world needs to hear. 
And so Sarah and the musicians did a great job with the song selection today of songs from across the ages, older songs, newer songs that talk about that very need to go out and proclaim Jesus. So persecution has pushed the believers out. They've gone north. They've gone west. The gospel uh, is, is to the Gentiles. Actually, in verse 20, we can see really comes because of laypersons. It's not the apostles that come to this area, but it's some men that had heard the gospel that are from Cyrus, Cyprus and Cyrene. So they're not pastors, they're not missionaries, but they're people who had heard the gospel, and so they're coming to this area to share the message of Jesus. And then in verse 21, I love this, the Lord's hand was with them, and they're new believers. So Barnabas and Paul go up there and, and begin to teach and disciple them after Barnabas goes and gets, gets Paul, and this is where they're first called Little Christ, and this is the establishment of Antioch as the center of the Gentile mission. And I think here's the interesting thing. Jerusalem missed having that opportunity to be that church. And God sent the people out from Jerusalem through persecution, and now Antioch is going to be the church where the message of Christ rings out all around the Gentile world. And so, you know, there was a, um, I, I went to college in, in John Brown University, I actually left here to go to John Brown University in Salem Springs, Arkansas. And in Arkansas, um, there's this guy named Sam Walton uh, who started this big enterprise called Walmart. And so I remember being there in Salem Springs, and there was this little five and dime, and I was there in 1990 when I first went off to college, and there I was, and I heard this interesting story. <clears throat> the five and dime that was there, Sam Walton had actually come to that five and dime in Salem Springs and said, hey, would you be interested in me buying your store because I'm creating a thing called Walmart? At that time, they're like, no, nah, we're not interested. Oops, mistake number one, right? And so there uh, he went from Salem Springs and goes on to Bentonville, and that's where he established Walmart. And so Salem Springs is a wonderful, quaint little town. I was just back there in October for uh, a, a college reunion. But they missed out on being a place that's had ripples all over the world. And never forget, my wife and I were on a cruise 10 or 11 years ago for an anniversary, and we cruised into a port right there in <coughs> somewhere on the Mexican Riviera era, and uh, I looked off the bow stern, I have no idea, it is, is the boat, and I remember seeing uh, a Walmart just right there, and I thought, Walmart's everywhere, you can't get away from this place, you know? But Sam Walton had first come to Salem Springs, Salem Springs could have been the epicenter of this thing, regardless of how you feel about Walmart and the people of Walmart, I've seen the website, the reality is... Antioch was the place that got put on the map, and it was the place that the Lord used to send Paul and these uh, ministers out. And so the first thing is the mobilizing church proclaims the gospel. Church movements have to have a place to start, and they have to have a people that have bound, bound together to say, we want to go out and reach other people with the gospel. We know that we need to go out and tell other people because God has so changed our lives. We can't not go out and tell other people about him. So often in history, persecution has been used of God to move the church into mission when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. And I do want to commend this church. First Baptist Alamogordo has had a significant impact in this region for Jesus Christ over these years. 
fact, there were laypersons from this church that helped to start many in this area. I'll talk about those in a few moments. And some members of this church hand-built with, I mean, that labor up in Timberon and went up there to help start that church and build the building that that church meets in even today. And so I know that uh, Pastor Kyle, one of the things that he uh, has put out as a vision for, for this year, and rightfully so, is to say we're going to have an increased focus on our neighborhood in 2020, this area right around the church. Why? Because as you can see, there's lots of places for people to come in and have a seat to hear about Jesus. As you know from living in this community, there's people who need to know the name of Jesus so their lives can be changed now and for eternity. And so there's those opportunities. The mobilizing church proclaims the gospel. But Paul and Barnabas left this imprint on the church. The second thing is, and I'm going to skip over this for just a moment. I've got two slides. I put them in the wrong spot. That's my fault. I'll come back to those slides in just a second. So the second thing is the mobilizing church participates to help the work in the world. And so Pastor Kyle was just talking about that a few minutes ago, about giving to the cooperative program and some of these things. Look what happens in verse 29 of of chapter 11. Actually, in verse 27. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and predicted by the Holy Spirit there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. And this took place during the reign of Claudius. Now each of the disciples, according to his ability... Determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this by sending it to the, to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. So that means that this church at Antioch took up an offering knowing that there was going to be a need in a place called Jerusalem, which was the church that really helped start Antioch because some of the people got sent out from Jeru- Jerusalem. And so this famine comes, Judea and Jerusalem are struggling. That's a historical fact. I mean, Josephus, uh, the, the historian, wrote about that. So these Christians take up an offering to help. It's kingdom work, it's voluntary, and I love it because now a younger church is helping an established church at Jerusalem. So I call this the beginning of the cooperative program. So you guys are what is the cooperative pro- program? What's that guy talking about? How many of you guys know what the cooperative program is? All right, we're going to talk about that for just a second. In 1920, no, that's good. In 1920, um, Southern Baptists said, you know what? We've got to figure out a way to do some work together. We have to pool some resources so that we can do missions at home and around the world. And so they came up with a thing called the 75 million campaign. And they asked state conventions to say, hey, how much do you think that you guys uh, could raise to help this campaign? So there will be causes in the South and then causes around the world. And so that's how they uh, started to kind of pull the money together. It went okay, but um, because of depression and a number of other things, we didn't quite make that $75 um, million. But in 1925, the cooperative program was birthed out of this idea, out of the 75 million campaign. We have a guy that was from New Mexico, one of our executive directors, uh, his name was Stump, C.W. Stump. He was on the committee to start the cooperative program. And so that means that now your church, my church, all these other churches could pool dollars together so that those dollars could go overseas, they could support seminaries, they could support work here at home, and a number of different things. And so that was when that got started, was in 1925. And your church has received some dollars over the last few years um, to help get your church strong again 
and that came through the form of the foundation. Some of those dollars were also cooperative program dollars. But here's what I love, is now, because of where your church is, this year you will be giving, and there's another church in Las Vegas, New Mexico. It's the first uh, Baptist church in New Mexico in, in terms of its length of, of con- continuation, continuity. And now your dollars are going to help that church because that church is in a bind. And so do you see what's happening here? Antioch had the opportunity because the mobilizing church participates to help the work in the world, and so they were able to do that. Since 1980, First Baptist Alamogordo, and I know you've been giving longer than that, but that's as far back as I could go in the computer for records. And ni- Since 1980, your church has given $1.2 million through the cooperative program to reach the world. Your church has also, through the, through the Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering, has given $237,000 to world missions since 1980. Now, those numbers will be higher if I was able to go back further, but those are the numbers that I was able to find. And so, um, uh, Pastor Kyle has uh, worked with your church to set a goal for $10,000 for special offerings this year, from Mission New Mexico, for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, for the Annie Armstrong um, offering, and that is fantastic. Why? Because we see here in the scripture that the mobilizing church participates in the work around the world. And as you give to those offerings, you're not only doing a work here in Alamogordo, but you are now participating in the work around the world. And that's fantastic. So the third thing, though, is the mobilizing church prepares and sends out leaders. Look with me at, verse, at chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 1. It says this. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. And so, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. Now, when they had traveled across the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came to a sorcerer, a Jewish uh, false prophet named Bar-Jesus. And then, I don't want to continue to finish that part there. I I want you to see this. Number one, there's a multicultural leadership thing that's going on in this particular church at Antioch which is one of the reasons I love First Baptist Alamogordo. There's a really neat multicultural aspect here um, in, in your church. Simeon was a black African. Lucius was a Grecian uh, from North uh, Africa. Manan was this Jewish aristocrat, uh, crat, bar, not a cat. Huh? And then Barnabas was a Grecian uh, Jew from Cyprus. And then Saul was a trained Pharisee, a Jew among Jews. And here's the thing that's interesting about this. In verse 2, look what happens. It says, as they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for this work to which which I've called them. Worship leads to missions. When your church is good at worship, when your church comes in here expecting to hear from the living God, when you're lifting him up and praising him in song, when you're praying to him and saying, Lord, what should I do? When we're worshiping him, that can't not lead to missions. And that's exactly what happened in this passage. They're worshiping the Lord. They're fasting and saying, okay, God, what do you want us to do next? Because we can't just sit here and exist for ourselves. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, because I got some work 
for them to do. You see, you get God's heart in prayer and worship when you're listening to the Holy Spirit. So God called them to this work in the mission and kingdom advancement. And then, um, I, I love it, the church recognizes this, affirms God's call. They lay their hands on them and then they send them out and they don't try to hold on to them. Something that's going to happen to your church in the next two years is this. I believe there's going to be people that are going to say, I think God's sending me to go out and help start another church. I believe God's sending me to go out and be a missionary overseas. And you know what? Some of you are going to feel like, well, wait a minute. We don't have enough to go. We can't send somebody out. You know what? You can't afford not to send somebody out. If God's in that, if he's the one that is calling your church through worship and prayer and fasting to send people out, he will replace them. I promise you. He will send other people your way. But if all we do is sit and soak and hold on to people and not send them out, the Lord's going to say, why would I send my people to that church when all they're going to do is hold on to them and not allow them to do what I'm asking them to do? You see, the mobilizing church prepares and sends out leaders. Maybe you've seen the movie Failure to Launch. It's a little older, movie, 11 or 12 years old. I love that uh, movie because Matthew McConaughey in that movie is a 35-year-old who's living at home with his parents, okay? Um, you don't have to raise your hand, but maybe here in this room, you've got somebody living at your house that uh, has, has failed to launch. Um, that's a fear of mine, because right now, I mean, I've launched, but I have an 18-year-old, and I've got a 16-year-old, and I've got an 11-year-old. And so right now, constantly, my prayer is, Lord, help them. Lord, help them to get ready so that they can go out into the world, so they'll be ready, so that they can do whatever they need to do. I wonder if our church, our kids are going to launch well and be ready for the world. Now, I ironed this shirt this morning. It's not too bad. I just want you to see the back. I won't take the jacket off. But my mom... Llewellyn Wilson, many of you know, taught me my senior year of high school to iron my shirts because she believed that I was going to need to have that skill uh, when I went off to college and, and went on from there. And ever since then, I know how to iron my shirts. We started very early with our kids. If we were sitting at a restaurant, you know, fast food place or something, and one of our kids said, hey, I'd really like to get some ice cream, great. Here's a buck. Go ask the guy at the counter even when they were eight or nine years old, because I wanted them to have the skills to be able to function in the world. I mean, you got to be able to order ice cream to function in the world. And whatever else, you know, it is, but I wanted them to be able to do those kinds of, of things. And so uh, I'm constantly, though, sometimes kind of wondering, are my kids going to be ready? Am I preparing them? And church, if you're not asking that question, you must be preparing people to send them in the world. You must be getting them ready to go out and share the gospel. I'm not saying you bring an ironing board up here and show all the high school kids how to iron a shirt. That's not Pastor Kyle's job. But it is the job of the church leaders here to help them and help you understand enough about God's word and enough about the gospel to be able to share it wherever you are, whether you are on uh, the base or whether you are overseas or whatever's going on. The mobilizing church prepares and sends out leaders. Listen, some people that have been sent out from this church, Bob and Vicki Butler, who was pastor here some time ago, went to Cambodia and Thailand. You know what? They're going back this year. 
Bob got the mission bug. He and, and, uh, and Vicky, he's been working on my team for the last year. And he came to me and he said, Scott, I'm going again. I said, yeah, I figured that was probably going to happen. He can't not go because the Lord has just so consumed his heart with love for those people. They're going back for three years. Bob's over 70 years old. What's your excuse? Lin- Linda and Larry Taylor were sent out from here to go to Africa. This church started Bethel Church, Calvary Church, Bulls Acres Church, Mescalero Mission, Oro Grande. Yeah, that little place that you drive through that the forest sign is there. I still never understand that one. You've sent teams to Montana, Wyoming, Belize, Mexico, Wales, Cambodia, and Nigeria. It's time for you to start doing that again. So here's the question. Are you looking for young leaders? Are you looking for people who have that passion for Christ, the compassion for others that will be able to go? Maybe the next missionary or pastor from your church is your next door neighbor and they don't even know Jesus yet and you can't imagine them being a Christian. But if you will look at people from lost to leader, it'll start changing the way that you look at people in your life. God wants to use your church to mobilize and send people out Look at the results of this proclamation and participation that Paul and the church at Antioch had. Look at uh, chapter 13, verse 49, or 39 with me. Yeah, 49 with me. When the Gentiles, I'm going to go back to 38 or 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. And then verse 49, the word of the Lord spread throughout the entire region. But the Jews incited the prominent God-fearing women and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. But I love that phrase, the word of the Lord spread through their entire region. That's part of the results of the proclamation, participation, and preparation because the word of God went out to Cyprus, to Antioch, Pisidia, to Iconium, to Lystra, and all these different places because Paul was willing to go and the church was willing to mobilize him and send him. But, it, you know, we would be able to look at that and say, yeah, but that was easy back then. I want to come back to uh, that map, uh, if you don't mind, uh, so we could see the map. I think it's a couple of, uh, yeah, so here we are. You can see up in the right-hand corner where from Antioch, Paul and them went to the island of Cyprus and then came up from there up to Phrygia and then went into uh, Asia Minor or southern Turkey. And here's the interesting thing. When Paul got off the boat, and I think this is probably why John Mark decided not to go with them, look at this next picture. When they got off the boat, that's what they saw. And Paul said, that's where we're going. We got to get on the other side of that to go to Antioch of Pisidia. Anybody want to sign up for that one? It's the Tarsus Mountains. It's a mountain range that would have been very difficult to get through. Listen, just because it's difficult doesn't mean we don't go. And I remember climbing that um, hill up there to that goat herder thinking, what in the world are we doing to go and share the gospel with one guy? And it was difficult and it was hard. But in all reality, the Lord said, go, and this is the way that the Holy Spirit was directing them, and Paul was not going to let any mountain get in their way. You're going to have difficulties in your way. You're going to have mountains in your way. And the way you've got to look at them is the way that Paul did and say, 
This is the way the Lord is leading. This is the way he's sending us. Paul, on his missionary journeys, traveled over 13,000 miles in that day and age without the modern conveniences of things that we have today. And so one of the things you're going to be looking at, and I'm going to share a couple of opportunities here in just a moment, as Pastor Kyle's leading, is to say, you know what? Is there an IMB partnership that our church could get involved in with our association looking at this year so that in 2021 we can go? I'm going to Scotland next month and working at the Baptist Convention, honestly, it doesn't cost me a whole lot because uh, the cooperative program helps me to be able to go because I go so much. My wife is going to Kenya. She's wanted to go to Kenya all her life. And next month, she's going to get to go, and she's been raising her own funds, almost $3,000, so that she would be able to go on this um, trip. And so she is so excited. You can't let anything stop you from wanting to go. The last thing I want to point out, then I'm going to give you some, some opportunities, is the Mobilizing Church promotes missions regularly. And I love what Pastor Kyle's doing in terms of saying, hey, let's put a picture of some missionaries on, on the screen and let's pray for them. That's missions education. When we get a vision for what's going on in other places in the world, it helps us to go, okay, I want to pray for them. Hey, you know what? Maybe I'd like to go and help them. Maybe we could go and encourage them and, and give them some relief. And so in chapter 14, verse 26, look what happens um, here in this passage. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to go back to verse 21. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them, it's necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now when they appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they've gone back and have encouraged these churches, which is important because when you're in partnership with churches, you don't just go on a mission trip and enjoy something and get your visa and get your passport stamped and then say, all right, cool, what's the next place I get to go to? We'll talk about that in just a second. But verse 24, they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And after they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there, they sailed back to Antioch. Look at this phrase. Where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. In verse 27, after they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. I love it. The mobilizing church promotes missions regularly. They went on the mission trip, they came back, and then Paul got his PowerPoint slides together, and he said, look, look at all the great things I got to see. This is me with a selfie going over the mountains over to Tarsus. It was tough, and look at the frostbite on my beard, but man, I made it, and you can too. And they came back and they reported, and they said, listen, the Gentiles are open to Jesus, so they reported how God used them. They gave missionary stories. They told about the Gentiles coming to faith, how God had opened the door. They spent time with that church. What we promote is what happens. And so we've got a brand new coach at the University of New Mexico for our football team. Go Lobos. <laughs> Are there Aggie fans in here today? And so here's the thing is that Danny Gonzalez has come from ASU, but he's come back to Albuquerque. He's an Albuquerque boy, and there's already a buzz, because listen, it's not fun being an Aggie football fan or a Lobo football fan most of the time. But right now, it's a little exciting 
because we got a homeboy that's come back, and he's brought a guy from ASU, he's brought a guy from Texas, he's brought a guy from San Diego State, and he's building this incredible, I think, coaching staff, so we'll see what happens uh, later this fall, but there's a buzz, and there's a promotion, and on Friday, they were announcing all his coaching staff, and so every 30 minutes, they sent out a tweet. Now, that kind of stunk, because I was kind of like, really? I got to sit around and log in every 30 minutes, or wait for that notification to pop? through to find just take a picture of all of them for crying out loud and just tell us who they are but they're trying to build this promotion thing and here's my whole point in that paul came back and promoted missions in the church at antioch and that church sent them out two more times to do missions and there were other people that went with him when we put pictures and videos of missionaries here, when there are posters around the church of goals for offerings, when we bring in missionaries to tell stories, all of those types of things, this local church should be a place that is sending out people all around the world. It's an outpost for missions. That's why it exists. The church exists for the glory of God, and mobilizing churches talk about missions all the time, whether it's missions, meals, or posters, class lessons, bulletin inserts, teaching the children, whatever that is, it's to say, here's why we exist, because the mobilizing church promotes missions regularly. And so here's what I want to kind of finish with right now. Do you have something in your life that would lead you to travel all the way around the world to go talk to somebody about? My guess is you wouldn't do that for your new iPhone or your Android phone. My guess is you wouldn't do that for the most recent restaurant that you went to and that you enjoyed. My guess is you probably wouldn't even travel around the world to tell somebody about your latest grandchild or show them pictures of your children just for that very expressed reason. But I remember knocking on doors in Argentina. I remember being in India. I remember being in France and Slovenia and talking to people and telling them, hey, the whole reason we've come here is to tell people about Jesus. Next month when I go to Scotland, I understand that could be a very political issue when we start trying to talk to people because all they're going to want to talk about is our president. And the thing that I'm going to have to do is look at them and say, you know what? I didn't fly all the way across that pond to talk about some guy who's still living uh, in the United States. I came to talk about a guy who's still living in heaven and has your best interest at, and he will never die and he wants you to live with him someday. That's who I came to talk about. You see, there are opportunities right now in Thailand and Cambodia. There's diaspora groups that are there and, and there's groups that are moving around. But you could go to a village where two of my friends were just in November and they said there's a new village that's been open to the gospel and right now they want to hear about Jesus. They did a medical clinic in a Buddhist Wat. They had an opportunity right there to just love on people and this village was open to people coming back. You could be one of those people. Another place in, I can't say the name of the country, but in uh, uh, Central Asia, there's an opportunity for people to go and teach ESL. If you have any football background, if you've ever coached, if you've ever played, they have an outreach right now where they put together teams and you could go and love on some of these players and you could go and help coach. 
There's another opportunity in Europe, in France. I was just there in April walking the streets of Paris and we were working with Pakistanis and people from India who have immigrated into Paris and we just got out every night for three hours and just walked the streets of these uh, impoverished neighborhoods in Paris just to start talking to Muslim background people about Jesus. There's opportunities for street witnessing and prayer. In Slovenia right now, I have friends that are there, and they need someone to come help with a basketball camp. There's a little village outside of the town that we were in, and right now, there's only two believers in this entire village of over 1,800 people, and they are looking for someone to come up there and hang out and, and prayer walk and do a basketball clinic and different things there in that particular area. There's Bible study opportunities. I have a friend right now who it will be going back to Russia very soon, and she needs high school and college students who can go and help with English language camps. And then the final one, I uh, have friends uh, who have recently, in fact, my pastor uh, was a missionary in Japan for a number of years, and he is taking a team again later this year um, to Japan. And those are just a few opportunities. Maybe I know some of you have medical uh, backgrounds here, we have opportunities all over the globe for people who would say, you know what, I'm a nurse and I can go help. I can get you on a plane sometime later this year. And, and with Pastor Kyle may, in 2021, maybe that's an opportunity for the partnership. There are opportunities, but the mobilizing church promotes missions regularly and sends people out. What are you willing to go around the globe to do? Because I think Jesus is worth going to share with people. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. For this morning, thank you for the opportunity to just gather in here, to sing songs to you, to pray to you, asking you to do things that we can't do, but you've called us to do. And so, Lord, we want to reach the nations. Lord, we wanted to start right here, Lord, just around this neighborhood. And so, as Pastor Kyle leads this body, even this year, would you help every single one of us right now to say, you know what, I commit to that. I commit to the opportunity of making a difference in our community. I commit to the opportunity of giving willfully to participate in the work at home and around the world. And you know what? I commit to being open to getting a passport and getting ready in 2021 to go wherever the Lord might send our church. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be ready for those things. And Lord, if there's somebody in here who wouldn't understand why we would make a big hubbub about some guy named Jesus and would spend all this money to tell people about him and to raise his fame in the world and why we would go around the world to t just speak his name. I pray that you would work in their mind and their life and their heart right now and that they would come down here in just a moment and grab Pastor Kyle and say, I need to know more about this guy named Jesus if he's really that important. So Lord, I just would ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand, and um, you have the opportunity to respond today. A couple things you can do. Number one, you could come down here and pray and say, you know what, Lord, I don't know what my job's going to be in missions. I just want to say I'm ready, whether that means here locally or going or giving or whatever that is. Number two, maybe you need to say, you know what, I had no idea the storied history of this church and the emphasis of missions. I need to come down here and join this church today and say, this is my commitment to be involved. Or number three, Maybe you just don't know who Jesus is, and you'd like to come ask Kyle, would you just tell me more about him? Because if he's that important, I need to know. Right now, you can respond. You come right now during this time. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. 
We're located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.